Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Here we are in October 2015, ready for the RV Navigator Podcast. And we're talking to you live from our at-home studio. We have shifted our <laughs> at-home location slightly to see if we can get better sound quality but, while we have control over such things. But next month, we won't have much control over much of anything because we will be in Africa. Africa. We will start off in Dubai after a 13-hour flight from Chicago. And Dubai is supposed to be hot, and we will be back in summer. Although it's still pretty nice here. After 13 hours. So at the beginning of the month, I think we're in Tanzania. Um, Next month. And we're going to be doing like safari stuff. And we really have no way of knowing whether we'll have access to internet. So for one of the very first times, we may actually miss the deadline of, of the first. So dear listeners, if you are worried about us. Worry not, because we will be having a good time. Uh, either that or we'll be having been eaten by lions lion. or tigers or something. <laughs> and we are headed to Kenya and Tanzania after Dubai. And that will be a month-long tour of those two countries to see the animals. It's a vacation. Well, we don't have vacations. Our life is a vacation. <laughs> Our life is a vacation, right. And after spending all summer overseas in Canada... Uh, In our motorhome, we are struggling greatly with confining ourselves to very tiny little duffel bags that the company has sent to us in an effort to restrain (laughs) us from bringing too many things. This is really a first. (laughs) um, Because we are inclined to do that because we're used to living in a motorhome where we can bring the whole house. And we are restricted to 33 33 pounds pounds total. Our carry-on and luggage. And they actually have sent us a duffel bag, which will have to suffice for the entire trip. It's a good idea. Yeah. Well, I guess so. Not from our perspective, but it is light. Well, and it we does. don't want the planes to crash when we fly from one teeny little well, place to another. Well, and I think they another. don't want to have to move our luggage around because we're going to be staying in tents and, and outback type places. So They will be camping. Ooh. Camping we can have another, another camping experience. Sort. But we should talk about uh, the beginning of the month. So we were just on our way home at the last campground, and we came to put the slide in, and it went in, and... Well, actually, as the main slider, um, (laughs) I should say... I'm the slidey, and you're the slider. (laughs) I'm the inside person, and you do the outside things. It had been a little quirky. I would press the switch, and nothing would happen. This is the the slide in the bedroom. And so it luckily made it in, but then it never made it out again. Um, And because this is our smallest slide that mostly just hides... The washing machine, which I wasn't needing at that moment, it was not a calamity, but whenever slides don't work, it makes me so nervous because you always think about what would I do if the slide was out and then I couldn't go anywhere. And although this was our smallest slide, it does have the mechanism that's enclosed. And I just want to say... Which means I can't get at it to work on it. For your benefit, that the other slide in the bedroom, which is also small, has been behaving quirkily as well. So we have an exciting field trip planned 
to the Newmar factory. This is the first time since examined. we've owned Newmar that we've been to the Newmar factory to, for a repair. For a repair. So this will be kind of a new and novel experience for us. We're looking forward to. Uh, a day and a half. Um, we've made our reservation for sometime in October, and we will be getting it fixed. Actually, they made the reservation for <laughs> us. They were incredibly busy. When you first called them, it took them 10 days, I think it was, to get back to you with a repair time. Mm-hmm. And we really didn't care a whole lot, but we do need to get it repaired before we go to Africa because while we're gone, temperatures could fall below freezing uh-huh. around here and you need to winterize our rig before we leave. <laughs> and this slide comes in right in front of the, the washing, washing machine. machine, so it's a problem because I can't get in there to do the winterizing. So hopefully by the next time you talk to us, we will be uh, having the full slide operation. Uh, our our motorhome has uh, performed very well f- over the uh, trip that we took to Canada, and we are happy with it. But little things like this happen occasionally, and so we're going to probably spend thousands of dollars to get it fixed. <laughs> well, and I have to think there should be some kind of a manual override that we could get at if we needed to. Uh, you, I can't get at the mechanism because it's enclosed. I have underneath. to think there should be some kind <laughs> I, of a manual. I can't get at the mechanism. <laughs> I'm not blaming you. <laughs> I know you're not blaming me, but That's well, a- maybe if it was out, I could work on it. Uh huh. But well, hopefully they will have some things to tell us while they are extracting money from our pockets, um, getting this little matter taken care of. We have some friends who are interested in watching RV shows on the inter- on the cable. And you record them all the time. I record the time. them all, and I w- we enjoy watching them. Rolling on TV is pretty good. Uh, there are a number of them that where people are buying new RVs, and they have that kind of typical thing where they have th- they get three choices, of course, which is ridiculous. And they always small. choose one. And they always by the choose end. one. I have a feeling what they do is, is they actually these people have bought one, and then they show them th- to others. Although they make it sound like they're making the big decision right well, at the end. Well, they might just follow them around and edit the, it all. But the thing that bothers me about, especially about novice buyers, is that they buy based on floor plan. And is that the best thing to do? I mean, you have to live in it, well, but you the, also have to drive it. That's the thing you see. But we need to think about other things besides the, what the floor plan looks like and how many gallons of hot water it has. Because these people, they they act like buying a fifth wheel and buying a motorhome are, are equal. And there's, there's like the one family who was saying, well, we have five kids and we're just going to buy the the fifth wheel. When Where are you going to put five people when you're not in the fifth wheel? Whereas a motorhome, you could, you know, the kids could branch out and do things while they're traveling. Well, I think you bring your your life experiences to your yeah. first RV shopping, and you're used to searching for a, a house. sticks and bricks kind of yeah, place to exactly. live, and and you don't worry about things like the capacity of the hot water heater or how much electric power is coming into your home because it generally just works. And this couple who brought in their 150 Ford 150, and they're going to pull a 14,000 pound fifth wheel with it, and it just ain't going to happen. Uh, easily, or it's going to be a very dangerous situation. So my my bottom line is for our listeners <laughs> is that you need to seriously consider the bones of your RV that you're thinking of purchasing. Or if you watch these shows with Ken, you have to put up with him yelling at the TV screen every so often. <laughs> yelling at the TV screen? Me? Just because these people are making stupid choices? Well, they don't know. Well, like the woman who says, 
oh, I don't like the the doors on my motorhome to open sideways. I want them to open up. She's crazy. Nobody likes them to open up. She doesn't know. She, she doesn't hasn't know. used well, them. Well, yeah, it's important that I think that you go out and use an RV for a, some RV for a while so that you get a handle on it. And I think the purpose of these shows is to make you want to buy an RV, not to show you problems. So they show you these gee whiz features yeah. and the yeah. insides that sleep 25 people thinking that there's this more, I mean, they have these teeny tiny little sinks that they, and the people seem to be surprised when the shorter ones don't have the features of the big ones. <laughs> we want a 25 foot RV, but we want the features of a 40 foot RV. Wouldn't well, that, that be nice? <laughs> I want that too. What? It doesn't have, it, it doesn't have the washer dryer. Well, no, it's only 25 feet. <laughs> Well, I mean, they make some crazy, crazy statements. Well, dear listeners, you see why he yells at the TV every Am I yelling at the TV? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not yell at the TV very often. Well, you know, and when you buy a home, you you if you're smart, you hire an inspector before you actually well, close the deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that seems well, to be more problematic in the RV yeah, world. Yeah, especially for trailers, I think. Well, but I think more and more inspectors are be, are making themselves available for RVs. And that's a good idea, especially right. if you don't know right. it yourself. Yeah, because to me, the suspension it. and the hitching and and people talk about. Well, this forty-foot our fifth wheel is eighty-five, ninety thousand dollars, and this one's fifty-five thousand dollars. And how? Why would you spend eighty-five thousand? Well, and if you can't, well, because it has tanks and it has hardwood cabinets and it has. If you can't see it, you don't know why. Exactly. Yes, and there are some definite features, but people seem to buy based on price, I guess. With that, we can kind of talk about the fact that I can no longer watch any of my RV shows. Oh, not too long after we came home, there was a very bad lightning storm in our neighborhood. Bounced us out of the beds at 2 o'clock in the morning and caused some damage to some of our neighbors and seems to have blown up our DVR, DVR. which Ken had thousands of hours of wonderful programming. A one terabyte drive. We have been wrestling with getting it replaced, and we feel kind of confined to one company because we like to take our DVR in the rain. We use DirecTV, and we've been overall happy with them. I found out uh, after talking to them several times on the phone that we've been customers for 17 years, so we have had uh, a fairly good experience with them. And we bring, as most of you know, you can bring your DVR with you. Just take it out of the house and bring it into the into the motorhome, poke it up to the antenna, and it works just like it does at home, except for a couple things that I'm going to talk about. But uh, our DVR has died, and we're having a trouble getting it replaced with a more modern model. So I'm holding out with, with DirecTV because I want the latest and the greatest. <gasps> I want 4K. So every 48 hours, we call DirecTV, <laughs> talk to a totally new agent who knows nothing about what the previous agent has done. Anyway, anyway. And makes us promises that so far have not occurred. Anyway, when you get programmed with, with DirecTV, uh, you know that the local channels are what's called spotcast, which means that it is about a 200-mile, hmm, is it radius or diameter? I'm not sure which. Anyway, within 200 miles of your local area like chicago you can get the chicago local stations but beyond that you will not receive your local stations even if you pay for it so what do you do there are lots of places where you go in the united states where you do not get a regular over-the-air signal 
And even if you do get an over-the-air signal, how do you record it on your D on your DirecTV DVR? Good question. Well, what we do is we get DNS, which is Distant Network Service, which is something unique to <coughs> DirecTV. So with direct with distant network service DNS, you send in an affidavit which says that you are a traveler because you're kind of violating the rules and regulations of the TV world in that they are not supposed to local stations are not supposed to broadcast outside of their area due to the commercials. There is an exemption if you are a traveler. And from having talked to a couple of friends who have had trouble getting their DNS exemption, that's because they insist on calling DirecTV and applying for it on the phone. That's not the way to do it. The only way to do it is to download the DNS affidavit and send it in. I can't emphasize that enough. You do not have to talk to an agent or anybody. Of course, adding the 10 or so channels that you are going to get, some from the East Coast, some from the West Coast. By the way, they're in standard def as well as high def. So you get it even if you have one of the older dishes on your roof or if you have a dome which you want to get standard def so that if you choose one of these you get uh, the east coast channels and the west coast channels which is very nice because if you miss a program you can always record it from the west coast unless you're on the west coast and then you can record stuff early and see it before it's on the west coast it's quite cool so that these stations then are kind of uh, universal stations available throughout the network across the united states any place you can get direct tv you will get these dns stations uh, and mostly it's the new york stations and la with a little bit of san diego thrown in and occasionally phoenix and and other areas but basically they they don't have any real loyalty as to which station they broadcast and you take what they give you, which is nice, though, because it's very convenient. Now, if you would like to get the over-the-air channels, the OTA channels, on your DirecTV and record those also, you can buy for about $100 an OTA receiver that plugs into your DirecTV receiver, and it will then hook up to your regular TV antenna in your motorhome, and you can then receive the over-the-air channels and record them uh, at your convenience. So, for instance, we watch the Today Show, and I like to watch the Today Show with the local weather forecast. So we're in, when we're in Florida, I record the Today Show from the local local stations using the OTA box connected to my DVR. I do not have to have a separate box. Since our box has died... We have done something we haven't really done a lot of. That only makes sense at home. Yeah, well, it only is possible at home. And that is we've done a lot of streaming. Because DirecTV has uh, over-the-air streaming, or has over-the-internet streaming of virtually all of their channels, which is cool. And so many other places have uh, streaming also. So we have done um, Boku streaming and that along with my simple TV box, which as I have mentioned before, the Simple TV is the OTA receiver that you hook up to the Internet at home. So I have an antenna uh, at home here. It hooks up to the Internet. Now this, ask me the question. I don't know what the question is. Yes, you do. You've asked me that several times. Is this hooked up to your computer downstairs? Well, that's where you said it was coming from. No, I said it was coming from downstairs. I didn't say it was hooked up to my computer. Simple TV is not a computer. And when we watched the Bears game in England, you logged on to your computer. No. <laughs> 
It's exactly what I'm talking about. This is exactly the question you were supposed to ask. So Excellent. It has nothing to do with a computer at all. It has nothing. That, that's what's really nice about this. It, this box does not have any buttons on it. It does not have any uh, controls or switches. You plug it in You and hook up your over-the-air antenna from home. You plug it into the Internet, and then you can watch your over-the-air channels, your local channels. So we can watch our Chicago channels any place in the world that we have decent, internet. decent internet, streaming Internet capabilities. And, of course, at home here, they recently upgraded our Internet service. So now we have 90 megabit a second me- Internet, which is... <laughs> it almost makes me want to stay home. <laughs> really? As, of course, when we're on the road, we are lucky to get five. If, we, if we're using the satellite Internet, we get one. So we just don't have enough to do satellite streaming video most of the time. And that's one of the major limitations. But occasionally, like in England, we we were able to connect up. And we watch the simple TV box from any place in the world. I can watch the recorded program. So we've been recording... Instead of recording on the DVR, we've been recording on the simple TV. Network stuff. Over-the-air stuff. It's from Chicago, which we like to do. We don't often get up at 7 in the morning so we can watch the Today Show. (laughs) So we have to record it. So even though we live in Chicago, we're really on the mountain time zone. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) So those are our woes with TV, and hopefully by next month we will have a brand new DVR box, which will be better and more capacity i'm going to send it in for a three terabyte drive because 200 hours of high definition saved on the hard drive is just not enough like we're ever going to have time to watch it all i need the capacity to record 600 hours <laughs> and then i sit you down and in a dark room and turn on the I tv i don't think so well be now, like that. now when we uh, uh, what? That, that bit that Aunt Andy Samberg did on the Emmys, where he <laughs> locked himself in the bunker and watched everything that was on TV last Ooh, year. Ooh, <laughs> now that is really a definite possibility. You want to spend the winter in a bunker? <laughs> in Florida, sure. In Florida. What the heck? Okay, so I'm also going to get a 4K TV. Not, I have been... not anytime soon. <laughs> now, this is bad because well, my neighbor got a 4K TV. Which increases the pressure. And, and, ladies and gentlemen, the navigator even said that she could see a quality difference. Did I? Yes, you did. I don't oh, remember just... saying that. <laughs> of course you wouldn't. I think you're planting ideas. You were there. Right you were there. I, I did see it. But just for your information, I'm not going to buy a 4K TV soon because I'm going to wait for the OLED 4K TVs to come out. So is that like in three or four years? <laughs> no. They're actually out, but they're too expensive, so I'm going to wait for them to come down in price. So if you're thinking about buying a TV, dear listener, you might want to wait just a little while because OLEDs are really going to sweep the market in the not-too-distant future. OLEDs work very differently than LCDs because LCDs have a LCD panel which has lights behind it which shine through the, the panel. And that's, uh, for a long time, they had fluorescent lights, and more recently, they have LED LCDs, which have LED lights behind the, well, it makes them much thinner, and you've seen, uh, you, you understand. Yeah. Okay. So, the OLED, the organic light emitting diodes, actually, the panel itself produces light. 
so there's no need for a backlight. The advantage is they can make them much sharper and they can make the blacks blacker because when the LED is turned off, it is black. And when the LCD pixel is turned off, there's light still coming through it. So the bottom line is you're going to get better colors, better blacks, much sharper looking picture, and that will probably improve the picture more than going to 4K, which is ultra high definition. So you might want to wait for the OLEDs to come out, and that's what I'm waiting for. Okay, I'll wait. <laughs> and he's buying one for the motorhome, too. He's already making plans. Nope, we're still waiting. <laughs> well, the small OLEDs are reasonably priced. Oh, maybe I should buy one for the motorhome still first. Still waiting. And DirecTV has 4K programming. And you can get 4K programming from the new Apple TV box, which we're also waiting for. And we are going to have 4K on Netflix and no over-the-air 4K. We don't no plans for that. Have I gone on too long about Yes, TV? you have. <laughs> My eyes have glazed over. Okay, you talk about something. Well, it looks here in our notes like you also wanted to talk about how the Wi-Fi wi speed in our home varied greatly with whichever router we were putting ourselves onto. Did it change speed? Yes. Did you want to talk about that? Well, that's about technology, though. Yeah. <laughs> Are your eyes going to glaze over again? Yeah. <laughs> Does this affect you? This is the speed of the Wi-Fi? Yeah. Well... Honestly, when we get home from camping, it all just seems wonderful. <laughs> well, dear listener. The speed of lightning versus twice the speed of out, lightning it doesn't much matter me. <laughs> oh. Well, dear listener, if you are if your eyes are glazing over too, then fast forward about two or three minutes while I rant again. I have uh, three Wi Fi routers in our house to provide excellent coverage throughout the house and the and the yard. Uh recently I upgraded one of them. To the latest technology. When I when Wi-Fi started, uh, it had eleven gigabyte, eleven megabit per second capacity, and I always thought, wow, if I have eleven megabits of internet at home, I would be in heaven. And and I guess you are. <laughs> well, yes, and I never really thought that that would be able to saturate an eleven megabit Wi-Fi uh, wi connection with internet. But today, I have 90, and so 11 megabit internet connection, and when I need at least 6 to 8 for uh, 4K, so that I can easily saturate that. If you have three or four devices using it, of course, it's going to become saturated quite quickly. The original standard was 803.11b. And then they have been gradually upgrading, and you've probably heard of 803.11n, and now we're up to A slash C. And the speeds that the Wi-Fi will deliver is dramatically faster. As a matter of fact, the new, it's called 5G uh, Wi-Fi standard, has uh, the full capacity to, to deliver my 90 megabit service uh, directly. So I have done the speed check. And by the way, if you'd like to do a speed check, you can go to speakeasy.net slash speed test and check your internet speed anytime. It's free. So you can go there and check your internet speed to see uh, how things are going at your house or on your in your RV or on your cell phone connection or whatever you happen to have. And I did the connection on my three different routers and I whew, one had 90 megabits a second one had 
less than 40, and then the old one was the 11, so that it was dramatically different depending depending on which one you were logged into. The service coming, the wired service coming into our house is, as I say, in the 90 range. So you might want to think, <laughs> I, I don't like to spend your money. Dear sure listener, you do. Hanging around but, with you always costs money. But if you have a decently high-speed connection coming into your motorhome or your house or your trailer or whatever you've got, and you have not replaced your Wi-Fi router in the last two years, you might consider buying a new one that com- that is compliant with the latest Wi-Fi technology. What's a router cost? $30, $40. Worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. And they've done great things with antennas. You want at least two antennas sticking up because they are able to tune the antennas for where you are. There's been a lot of advancements in Wi-Fi, and it's worth it to buy a new one. We bought a Netgear, and I like the fact that it's manageable on the net from any place in the world. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, welcome back, if you if you <laughs> fast-forwarded. <laughs> Now the navigator will have uh, some words that she can, on topics that she can uh, be an expert. Well, I can say with great enthusiasm that we have started working on our winter plans. And unlike last year when I was trying to make reservations for Florida in the middle of the summer and found that I was already... Actually, at the beginning of the summer, I I think. I was already too late. um, We have just kind of roughed out our plans for heading southwest, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada kind of area yeah. and had absolutely no, no. difficulty making it's amazing reservations. As a matter of fact, they seem to be quite happy to hear from us. Yeah. And we were not uh, making reservations at large campgrounds, but you know, we could stay for a week, we could stay for two weeks, we could stay for a month. It seemed like they, they were happy to have us. And the prices were much, much cheaper than Florida. Which makes me glad again that we bought a lot for when we do want to go to Florida right. because I don't right. want to have to... But, so make plans a year ahead of time. But if you are uh, looking at Florida and you're saying, whoa, it's really expensive, or if you're just kind of making plans to head south, I would head to Texas or out west, uh, Arizona-ish area, New Mexico, because the l- options are much, much greater. More flexibility. That. More flexibility. So we are going to have a dozen campgrounds, including, I was surprised, we can go to Las Vegas. And we found a very reasonably priced camp. Twenty bucks a night. I yeah, think it was it like was. twenty bucks a night. So incredible. So especially after <laughs> first hand report will be coming a little bit later, but especially after I ranted and raved last month about how hard it was to find a place to camp in the greater New York area right, and how expensive right. it was. Yeah, the West is just so much. This better. was um, a very gratifying experience because in an afternoon we got two months of reservations. Right. So this no year, this winter, we're not going to be staying any place for very long. I think we that made a reservation for make two a weeks. If we want to stay somewhere for three months, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But we're going to be heading, uh, <laughs> starting in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and then we're going to be heading up through Tucson and going to Quartzsite for a little while, and then up to. Las Vegas, and then over to Death Valley, and we're going to be doing the Lake Havasu Fireworks Festival and other assorted attractions as we head northwest for the rest of the spring. We're not really planning uh, further at the moment, but we're planning to go all the way to Vancouver and do some of the things that we didn't get a chance to do uh, in Alaska, back from Alaska when we were there in 2012. 
When we were on our marine Atlantic coast caravan, we um, grew very fond of (laughs) the couples who led our caravan and were delighted to hear that they were going to come to our neck of the woods to lead another caravan. We were very surprised. um, Which is going to follow the route of the famous highway Route 66 from the Chicago area to California. Route 66 starts in Chicago. This this rather lengthy drive is going to be accomplished all on back roads. They are going to try very hard not to do any expressway driving and see whatever highlights there are on and frankly, Route 66. Uh, route 66, we've done a couple of Route 66 six things in Arizona, found it to be moderately interesting. They are leaving from Joliet, Illinois, which is right next door to us, and so we went down to see them, and this is the first time that uh, Adventure Caravans has done the Route 66, but it seems to be very popular. They have two full caravans that are going to be doing this itinerary this this year for the first time. Even though they were only planning on having <laughs> and I one. Went, I went down there, and we uh, sat around for one of their socials, and I kind of made fun of the itinerary because they were spending a full day, for instance, touring Joliet, Illinois. Which is nowhere. A drive-through town. A drive-drive-through town. It has no tourism at all. In our opinion. And then they were going on to another. The next stop. All these tiny little towns in Illinois. Sixty miles down the road, Dwight, Illinois, and Pontiac. Pontiac, Illinois, both of which we know fairly well because they're close to us. And Pontiac is nice because it has a nice big RV dealer. But I didn't think there was anything else going on. But. Okay, so now I kind of poo-pooed and said, what the hell are you guys doing (laughs) paying all this money to go on the Route 66 and you're stopping at these little towns? Podunk places. Podunk places. But I think I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking that actually that's pretty exciting that they are able to find lots of appropriate stops uh, along this itinerary in small little towns and that here we have lived in this area for all this time and they were going to spend a full bus day tour in Joliet and they were going to places that we'd never even heard of. So there may be places in your neighborhood that that would be worthy of tourism but you just don't go there. So you can go to the, the Blues Brothers uh, set for the uh, Joliet prison. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's the kind of places they went to. And so maybe we should do the caravan just to go to many of the small places that you otherwise would never, ever stop in because you don't know about them. There's a saying that I don't, I'm not going to say it quite right, that you're never a prophet in your town. You have to be a thousand miles away before people appreciate you. And there's something about the touristic stuff that's around you that you've heard about all your life and seen or driven past that you don't appreciate it because it's always been there. Yes, but I think of driving all the way to Santa Monica and not going on an expressway. And then I'm thinking from the other perspective, hmm, it'd be kind of interesting to drive all the way to Santa Monica and not go on an expressway. They said your GPS is going to be worthless on this caravan because the GPSs just don't want to take you on the routes that that they're going to take. So that could be kind of interesting, though, to go across the United States and visit a lot of small communities that have interesting Route 66 historical stuff. And that's the same thing, I think, with the Lewis and Clark. 
is probably a similar itinerary that uh, many people have done. And it also left me wondering, why did I find the towns in Newfoundland, which were small and didn't have a lot to them, so very charming, where I turn up my nose at the small towns around here? Yes. Well, there's a difference because those were tourist towns and touristic stuff. I mean, they had outdoor adventure or they had lots of hotels and motels and things like that. I mean, they, the whole economy was based on tourism, whereas around here, that certainly is not the case. I would say the towns <laughs> they drove through for me were famous for having prisons in them. That sort of stuff, <laughs> right. So so uh, I would like to talk to somebody, and maybe you're thinking about doing the Route 66 or the uh, Lewis, and Clark. Lewis and Clark or one of the other ones that, that is kind of that, that following the route rather than at uh, specific destinations like Labrador or Newfoundland or Alaska or the national parks out in, out in out west. So those would be, uh, it could be an interesting itinerary. I'll be interested to read their blog in more detail. And as always, we have been grateful for many listener comments and emails and good advice. One listener has given us some product recommendations, encouraging listeners to use strike hold in place of WD-40 as a lubricant. Have you used that? Nope. This is from Iggy Conrad. Holding tank cleaners micro blaze, they recommend, and they replace duct tape with Gorilla Tape. It's much, it's much stronger, stronger, sticks better, and lasts longer. So, good to know. And also, the, another listener has given us a nice uh, recommendation, too. I, <laughs> I realize they say that it's too late for you now, but I've been behind in listening to your podcast. At any rate, you should be aware that Verizon has recently instituted a new international plan for people traveling to Canada. It offers 500 minutes of voice, 500 texts, 1 gigabyte of, of data for $25 a month, which is about 75% cheaper. Is it? Yeah. We were getting, we got 100 minutes, 500 texts, and 100 mega, megabytes, megabytes one-tenth yeah, yeah, the data yeah. for so $15. It's so it's substantially So they're responding to the pressure. It was also new when I left on my six-week trip through the Canadian Rockies in mid-July. It wasn't even on the Verizon website yet, but the Verizon person I spoke to, and that's interesting because we set up ours at the end of June. Yeah. yeah, that's right. At the end of June. So this started so in July. So if you are going to another country and you have Verizon, you might want to look at this. At or this is it service. just for Canada? The other one was for Canada and Mexico, uh-huh. but I don't know. Well, I mean, as opposed to Dubai or some, Oh, well, no, it's not somewhere good. No. Totally different. No. Verizon has no coverage in, in Africa, I read. Mm. <laughs> So we will not be having phone service in Africa. Don't try, don't try to call. Another <laughs> um, letter says, my wife and I are avid listeners of your podcast and have learned so much from your experiences living on the road. Like you, we don't plan on full-timing, but plan to spend winters in warm climes and do extensive summer travel. I was listening again to a podcast from your stay at the Great Outdoors and heard you mention the GoCycle electric assist bike. Very nice, but very expensive. I wanted to make you aware of a company called Rad Power Bikes based in Seattle, Washington. I bought one of their electric fat bikes when they first came to market and have been thrilled with it. But with regard to RVing, their new cargo bike, the Rad Wagon, seems a perfect choice for people who don't want to tow a car but want to be able to haul groceries and supplies. It even doubles as a tandem, making it a perfect sightseeing vehicle car-free. 
Anyway, the website is www.radpowerbikes.com and they have numerous videos showing their bikes in action on their site as well as on YouTube. As much fun as the fat bike is, I am planning on strapping the rad wagon to the back of my motorhome. It's not as slick as the go cycle or as small, but it can be carried on a standard bike rack and can carry over 150 pounds of cargo on the back. Definitely not sexy, but very utilitarian. Thanks again for your podcast and website. I can only imagine the number of mistakes you have helped people prevent making in their pursuit of the RV lifestyle. We only hope. Oh, we'll try to make them first for you. Yeah, this is uh, Bruce Collins was nice enough to send us that information. Yeah, the Go Cycle looks very cool. I'm not sure it's for us, but it certainly could be for us. Well, I'm thinking of our friend who bought the Vespa for the back of his rig to serve that purpose. Mm-hmm. And now we have another listener from Nick. Uh, I was boondocking this weekend in my travel trailer, and my battery apparently went bad. So now I need a new one. I need some advice on this. Obviously, it runs all the 12-volt components in the camper when the camper isn't plugged in. Some lights, igniter, propane. Uh, My inclination is to get a deep-cycle marine-grade battery, but I wanted your input. What brands have you used? What are the size considerations? And, of course... My first reaction is, you didn't have a deep cycle battery? Because, of course, all the batteries in an RV should be deep cycle, except for the starting battery. Does he know he didn't have one? Well, he says, my inclination is to get a deep cycle, uh-huh. so I'm assuming that he didn't have one. Uh, maybe we, he didn't know. He, he just I know. Had what so it, what the bottom line with. there is, absolutely, you want to get a deep cycle, because they have the capability to, to deep cycle, something your car starting battery just never does. So you can take it down to 50% charge, which you never go below, take it down to 50% charge, and then charge it up, and it will go through three to 500 cycles that way without uh, really losing too much capacity. And, of course, I think what happened with his is that he... He let it go really dead. Too far down. And as I just helped a friend install a little switch that goes on the terminal of the battery that disconnects the battery while it's in storage so that it provides a positive <laughs> disconnect from any what we call parasitic loads in your RV that would drain the battery while it's just sitting. So I have a feeling if his battery, the batteries just don't die suddenly as a rule. They die slowly, and if his died suddenly, then it was either completely discharged and that ruined it, or else there was uh, some other issue. That water, it, the the water was gone from it. Uh, you know, all sorts of things. Now, what would you replace it with? We, of course, <laughs> go to go to Costco, and I buy Costco or Home Depot or wherever you can buy off-branded batteries, and I buy their deep cycle six volt. Which has have served us well. Right. I've been thinking seriously of going to lithium ions, but I've had some uh, second thoughts about that, and I'm not sure I'm going to be doing that in the near future. We got a, an email from another listener who was having trouble with his lithium ions. Uh, the lithium ions have substantial advantages. One-third the weight, uh, you, you can take them down to almost zero, and uh, so you don't have to have... So even though we have uh, 800 amps worth of battery power, we actually have only 400 usable amps. If we had 800 amps worth of lithium, we could take it down. We would have 700 amps to use. I have been thinking about going to lithiums, and I've contacted some folks out uh, for our trip this winter, but uh, I don't think we're going to be doing that. So you're going to talk about that some more? Not at the moment. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Nick, 
Go to the store, buy a deep cycle battery. I don't think it makes any difference what kind of the right capacity. You know, they're rated by amps. And so and you sometimes want, they talk about golf cart batteries. Well, golf cart batteries are 6 volt as a rule. So the best choice would be to replace your 112 volt with two 6 volts because they will last longer. But if you don't want to do that, but then buy a deep cycle marine battery, as large a one as you can fit into your compartment. And, yes, it will run your stuff. And then disconnect it either with a switch or by taking off the terminal uh, when you leave it sit for a while. On our trip this summer, once we got into Maine, we frequently and regularly saw moose warning signs, not only on the expressways but on side roads as well. And we spent the whole summer looking for the moose <laughs> never saw and never moose. did see one. Um, that's not to say they weren't there. We just were not traveling when they were out and about, which was probably all in all a good thing. Uh, so we have some moose warning information here, which, as I read through it, is equally apropos if you have to worry about deer cavorting oh, yeah. in your neck of the woods, which well, is more likely where we live. Vermont saying, um, seeing, Vermont a DOT. seeing a moose is one of the most treasured wildlife memories for many Vermonters. Running into a moose. An experience they will take with them the rest of their lives. We want you to enjoy seeing them from a distance. But keep in mind that moose are very active this time of year in the fall when they're breeding, and they will be crossing highways more often. Moose are a threat to motorists, but there are measures you can take to avoid hitting them. Always be aware of the danger. Moose cross the road randomly as well as at their regular crossings, which are marked on the highway, I guess, by those signs. Increase your roadside awareness and reduce your speed when you see a moose crossing sign. Last year, 65 moose were involved in collisions with motor vehicles or trains in Vermont. That's and only Vermont. in Vermont. 18 people died. 18 people died. Can you believe that? Yeah, those are big animals. I know, but especially uh, if you hit them with a car. Yeah, so it's it's really dangerous. And I was just reading uh, the blog of Howard and Linda Payne, and they were driving down the road, saw two deer off to the right, thought they were going to pass them, and just as they got there, one of the deer bolted and ran into their car. So even if you see them and you're driving by them, you're not necessarily out of the woods, so to speak. Yeah. Don't assume they're going to react the way you would if you were them. And, you know, another kind of catastrophe, uh, we for a long time owned a lot at Woodhaven Lakes, which is a RV resort in western Illinois. And this last summer they had a huge tornado go through and rip up our lot as well as many other lots out there. This this was just devastating, and we looked at pictures. We haven't actually been there because we're no longer members, but uh, we saw pictures on the Internet. And this brings up the point that if there is a tornado, you need to take a tornado warning, you need to take action and protect yourself. And often in a campground, there aren't many places that you can go and really truly be safe. And this was one of those places where they didn't really know how many people were there or who was there at the time because it's just a vacation place. You can't live there full time. And they had to go through with uh, the crews to X off the houses. Looking for bodies. And, and the, right. And the the RVs were just devastating, oh, just all over the place. Um, so be very careful, listener, dear listener, and make sure that you're safe, both from animals as well as from the weather, and then on your own driving. Composite RV propane tanks are safer. This is a company which makes composite 
propane tanks. That seems like a great idea. Rather than the metal ones. Yeah. The metal ones are always rusting and there's always a problem. translucent and you can see through it and see how much propane you have, Gee, people are always idea. wondering whether they're going to run out or not or surprised when they run out. Your RV will weigh less because these cylinders are 50% lighter than the steel propane gas tanks. Some sizes are more than 60% lighter. They perform anywhere from an extreme temperature to well above 149 degrees. So they are just all around better propane tanks. But, of course, they probably cost a bit more. Yeah. But we had, and I remember we had rust issues yes, on yes, our tanks absolutely. that would be alleviated by this. What a great idea. Uh, this is an article about stove wrap range and cooktop stove liner. If you've ever sold your used RV, you know that cleaning up the kitchen is the biggest chore of them all. <laughs> Once you scrape off the grime and grease of past camping trips, it becomes very clear that your old RV kitchen stove is one of the most beat up looking parts <laughs> of the kitchen. Uh, or you could just never cook. That would work uh, too. Yes. Um, so there's a new product called Stove Wrap Range and Cooktop Stove Liner, which will add new life to any old RV stove or preserve the shiny unused stove in the brand new RV you just purchased. So uh, some people try laying down aluminum foil. I've seen them do that, but that's it doesn't protect well and it doesn't last very long. And this liner, um, you just put it down and you can just it's, lift it up and scrub it. And it's black plastic. And I we've seen this stuff before. They actually cook on it, and so it's very hardy. And if it goes bad, you just throw it away, and your uh, stovetop will still look nice. So this has a sheet which has holes for the burner, and so you just drop it over the whole top of the stove and... You're protected. And easy to clean. And easy to clean. Of course, we don't have propane anymore, so <laughs> this is not something we need. So this is not something we're going to be testing out. As you know, our satellite dish for the Internet is uh, old and has a dying technology, but they've introduced a new satellite Internet service. So if you're still interested in boondocking, really boondocking, where there is no cell service, you might want to consider having a new satellite dish put on. And this one is cool because their service is completely different than the kind that we have. We have, <laughs> we're always getting fapped. Are we ever? <laughs> and what does fap mean? We've used up too much, too many megabytes in one 24-hour period, and right. so then they throttle us. Um, and ours is, as I mentioned earlier, a little bit slow. We get about one megabit a second, so it's it's good for email and doing some light browsing, but our data is limited. And so what this is is you buy a quantity of data, and you can use it anytime, anywhere that you want to. Because one of the problems we have is, is that ours is uh, a quantity per day, and it's the same every day, and we can't. Whether we're using it or not, and we can't save it up. We like right now we're paying for it, but we can't use it. So this is actually a better program. So this is called Instasat. They have a dish that mounts on the top of your roof. It does. It is for mobile RV operations, and you can buy five gigabytes for one hundred and twenty-five dollars a month. No, five gigabytes. You have to use it in a month. Okay. And so you can buy twenty-five gigabytes for four hundred dollars, which is comparable to what we're spending now. But you have three months to use it. So you can use it any time during that three months. And then they have other plans that go up from there up to uh, th 100 gigabytes, which you have 12 months to use. So this would be uh, an option for us, but uh, I don't know what we're going to do with our current dish because it is not compatible with this new system. This, by the way, is 4 megabits down and 512 up, which is decent service. And you can't use this satellite for TV. It's totally uh, well, 
<laughs> it's interesting. It depends on where their satellite is. Uh, I don't know the details of it. Mm-hmm. You know that our, ours is not designed for TV. It just happens to be that their satellite is close to ours. So if we put a couple of extra uh, LNBs on it, we can pick up the TV. Do both. Do both. So this one potentially could do that if somebody made a an arm that would do that. Is that too technical? No, I almost understood it. Really? Would you consider buying chi- tires made in China? There's a nice article about this. Recently I read a post that I thought some might find interesting on what someone with a strong sales background had to say about tires made in China. So I'm passing it along in a link from AutoGuide. So I'm going to put that link up there for you. I've also noticed that many low-cost tires seem to have a warranty that ends about the time you pull out of the tire store or the RV dealer's parking lot. There are a few offering three- to five-year warranties which make them, in my opinion, worth considering. So this is an article about you know buying tires, which is something we all have to do and something you should think about uh, what kind you're going to buy and whether we should be buying them from China. I don't know. I also want to mention, uh, I, I heard an interview with uh, a executive from Advanced RV done by Greg Gerber. And Advanced RV is sounds like an interesting place because they build Class Bs to your specs. And they're a highly innovative company. And you might, if you're looking at a Class B and you want it to be customized for your needs and built to your specifications, this would be a company that you might want to take a look at. One of the things that impressed me <laughs> was that they do all electric without a generator and without any uh, external power source, including the air conditioning. Whoa. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. They have 800 amps of lithium batteries on board. Oh, that's how. Put a second alternator on the diesel sprinter chassis engine, and that acts as their generator. So they've done they've done a lot of innovative things. Saves in t- space and weight, then. Right, and making these uh, Class Bs just as efficient as they possibly can built on the Sprinter chassis, which is already fuel efficient. So they have a lot of uh, pictures, and they apparently work with each owner to make it exactly what they want. You want twin beds, you want double beds, you want, a, I doubt a king size, but, you know, how, the size of the shower and all that sort of stuff is all controlled by you, the customer, which to me is a nice way of doing it. Sounds pricey. It was pricey. <laughs> Sprinter chassis automatically are pricey, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but... Uh, and per square foot, bees are expensive. Let's see if you want to buy one, and we'd love to hear from you. And, of course, we always want to hear from you. Some very nice reviews on iTunes. Maybe some people took my advice mm. and um, thanks for that. Took my my. Uh, You're begging. My begging, <laughs> and went to iTunes and put a couple of reviews up there. Uh, we do appreciate hearing from you, and we are always looking for uh, campground buddies as we travel down the road in the campgrounds near us. We hope to see you in the not too distant future. And we will be back. It just not, oh, might right. not be at the beginning of next month. Yes, we will be back, and we will be camping again in January. The Africa trip will take us mid-October through mid-November, and then we will, we will be back for part of December and then taking off again. So, so we might just skip a month? No, no, we're never going to skip a month. We will do the podcast, but we may not be able to get it up on the Internet uh-huh, on time. Uh-huh. We're definitely going to do it. Because they're going to want to hear the roar of the lions and the trumpeting of the elephants and the putt-putt of the Land Rover. 
as we fall As we off. lurch down the dusty as we roads. we lurch down the dusty roads. Okay, so we hope to hear from you and... Happy travels. Bye now. <laughs>